Are we recording? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, here's the thing. I love aviation jokes, <laughs> but they always seem to go over people's heads. <laughs> <laughs> you are so funny. Okay, okay. No, it's like for real. elevated jokes because they work on so many different levels. There you go. So, you get it. <laughs> so, Miles and I, like, it's like, true story. We've decided that I'm never allowed to talk about my addiction to aviation puns because it's a sore subject <laughs> okay okay i can't i can't i can't do you get it though i get it okay that one because like plain sore yeah <laughs> yeah i get it oh no but I, did i tell you this um one time my dad saw an abandoned building outside of cleveland labeled aviation high school <laughs> it's abandoned so it looks like it never really took off haha <laughs> 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 Is that the end? Yeah. <laughs> That's all I've got. Are you sure? I don't even know if my dad's ever been to Cleveland. That was just part of the joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I got that, but <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that there weren't any other, like, quote-unquote stories you were going to lead into that just end up being puns. <laughs> oh, I got you there, didn't I? Yep. Didn't I? I'm so clever. So, uh, how's it going, Mr. Babyface? <laughs> um, so, it, it was windy and cold today and now that i have a naked face the cold wind hit it directly <laughs> hit my face directly <laughs> and it was cold uh so miles and myself have not seen miles's naked face in over a year mm-hmm. uh and he he finally shaved i shaved last night like completely yep clean no shave. stubble mm-hmm and then he also got his first haircut in over a year. Yep. I think his last haircut was July of 2021. Nice. It was a, my last haircut? Your last haircut. Remember because it was right before Family Pictures? Yeah, that, that was the one that I did myself. But then I had another one. Oh. Since then, which was about a year ago. Oh, It was okay. April last year. My bad. My bad. So get with the times. <laughs> He was starting to look like <laughs> he was starting to look like a mountain man. You liked it, and now he looks like an adolescent. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, very much. <laughs> Completely one eighty. Have you seen those filters that like turn you into baby face? Yep. And people always yep. joke like mm-hmm. when my husband shaves and then it goes yep. to baby. Face. That's like a real thing. Yeah, I don't even need the filter. <laughs> Just want to pinch your little cheeks. Don't do that. <laughs> so miles you got anything on your mind um well not anymore i shaved all my hair too no i just got a cut but <laughs> um, but I'm ch- haha, good one jokes you think you're the only one with jokes uh no no i don't think so how are we doing with our uh listeners um you want to hear something cool i do did we announce the philippines last last week I well we put we it on our like the caption that's right yeah we put it in the description for the episode um anyway the philippines is now one of our listening countries one of the, yeah one of the listed countries that Woohoo! we have listeners in also israel which oh yeah is completely random <laughs> like when we found out that turkey was on the list too yeah we have israel miles is convinced that it's like a glitch but it's i'm not a glitch I'm, I'm thinking it's like 
I don't know, some kind of VPN um No, no. we just have a super fan. We have a super fan, yeah. One singular super fan. Or we could have one fan that travels to each of these countries that just listens to us, and then it just sends us the statistics that way. Accurate. Yeah. Just kidding. No, I think it's cool, though. We have Israel and the Philippines. Yeah. (sighs) It's super cool. Welcome, welcome to the fam damnly. Shalom. (laughs) (laughs) Mazel tov. I was going to say something else. Something else. But I really don't remember... What's on your oh. mind? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's that's it, basically. I was just going to say, like, do you ever notice how, um, like, when you start to excel at a couple things, the other things in your life kind of die a little bit? I don't think bit? I've ever excelled at anything in my life. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. Um, no, but, like, have you ever noticed that? Like, like, when you focus on one part of your life, obviously, like, something has to give, right? Like, you can't be a superstar at every aspect of your life all the time yeah sure well if y'all could see our house right now it's trashed so what i'm trying to say is tonight's story is going to be freaking amazing because (laughs) that was where my focus was yep (sighs) and my focus has been on her work and being a good dad harper loves (laughs) miles right now even though yeah she's what's so much work the toddler or the homework both (laughs) When I'm not working with the toddler, I mean, I'm not when I'm not with the toddler, I'm working on my homework, so... That's true. And vice versa. That's okay. The semester's almost over. Yeah. And then you don't have to worry about it until the fall. Okay. You got this. I, I got this. You got this. Send uh, some prayers or Hail Marys or whatever it is to Miles. Yep. I got finals coming up, so I definitely need help. <laughs> you got this. I believe in you. Thanks. I always have. Thanks, honey. All right, are you ready for this awesome story? No, I think I'm gonna go to bed. I'm just All right, kidding. good night, everyone. That's that. <laughs> That's for last week. You did the same thing to me. I think oh, it was did last I? week. Oh, well, I'm hilarious. That's the difference. <laughs> if I was supposed to laugh, I didn't know. <laughs> Couldn't tell if you were joking or <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Do you have any? I'm, I'm ready for the story. Do I have any, any ideas what my story is about? Um. Al Qaeda. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, let's think. You mentioned some aviation stuff. So, is it about Amelia Earhart? No, that's a good guess, though. Okay. So, this is a story. Is it about Boeing? No. Dang it. <laughs> this is a story about two people. That was my next guess. <laughs> Their names are Orville and Wilbur Wright. Right in- Oh, dang it. Oh, the Wright Brothers. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say, uh, what's the popcorn guy? Orville, Redenbacher, or whatever. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Orville and Wil- Wilbur Wright. The, the Wright, Wright Brothers. brothers. <laughs> Not to be confused with the Left Brothers or the Wrong Brothers. <laughs> There's actually a picture on Wikipedia um, where it says, Orville, Left, Wilbur, Right. And it just spells out right. <laughs> I was like, do they... Do that intentionally? Probably. (laughs) Anyways. Okay, so we're going to start from the beginning. And by beginning, I mean before conception. Um, Okay. (laughs) Who's conception? There was a man named Adam and his wife Eve. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going that far back. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Okay, so in actually 1853, 
22-year-old Susan Catherine Corner started college at the United Brethren College in Hartsville, Indiana. While she was studying, her family began attending the Church of the United Brethren of Christ, which was a local church in the area. Mm-hmm. And attending that same church was a young man by the name of Milton Wright, who was studying to be an ordained minister. Any relation to the Wright brothers? <laughs> he and Susan met and fell in love. Milton asked Susan to marry him and accompany him to a church assignment in Oregon. Susan asked. No, no. Milton asked. Oh, sorry. Did I, did I say that wrong? Milton asked Susan to marry him. Okay. Maybe maybe I just misheard. I'm sorry. Continue. Hello. Anyone home in there? I was going to say like that's... <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Sorry. No, I could have said it wrong. It's all good. So Listen Milton... Listen let us know. Milton asked Susan to marry him and accompany him to a church assignment in Oregon. She declined... Mm so that she can continue her studies of science and mathematics. At this time, it was pretty unusual for women to go to college, so mm-hmm. it was kind of a big deal that she was going to college. So she was like, listen, buddy, you're great and all, but you can wait. <laughs> so, <laughs> Wow, she, she knew what she wanted. Well, so Milton returned in uh, 1859, and the two of them were married, so... They got married. Yeah, they did get married. She, she was 28 at the time. Milton was 31, and he was an ordained minister. Um, and just to preface this, he devoted the remainder of his life to his ministry. And Susan, she supported him in that and was very devoted to him. But the remainder of her life, she spent ordained to her children. That was her job, was okay. being like a homemaker, stay-at-home mom. Fair enough. So during their life, because of Milton's ministry, they actually moved their family 12 times. And during those moves, they had seven children. Whoa. Starting with her oldest son. Uh, I should have looked this up. I forgot. I think his name is pronounced Ruchlin. Ruchlin. I'm just going to go with that. I okay. don't know if that's right or not. Call him Rudy. <laughs> Ruchlin Wright in 1961 was born in Fairmount, Indiana. Their second son, Lauren Wright, was born in 1862 in Orange Township, Indiana. Five years later, they had their third son, Wilbur Wright, in Millville, Indiana, in 1867. And then after Wilbur's birth, the family of five moved to Dayton, Ohio. While they were there, they bought a home that was under construction at 7 Hawthorne Street, which ended up being their home base for basically the rest of their lives was this house cool so um let's see where we are 67 so now we're in 1870 susan gave birth to twins otis and ida wright both the twins died in their infancy unfortunately um the grandma has awoken uh they died in their infancy and then a year later (laughs) i knew that was coming Okay. If we divorce, you're getting all of the dogs. If. <laughs> if? What do you mean? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Dude, I got the papers filled out and everything. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We love each other. We do. Okay. We're not divorcing. Probably ever. Go lay down. Give me my room. I love you. I love you. I love you so much. A year later, Orville was born at their Hawthorne house in 1871, and then three years after that, their youngest uh, child and only living daughter, Catherine Wright, was born in 1874 in the Hawthorne house as well. So the family then moved to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and then to Richmond, Indiana, and then um, in 1884, they moved back to Dayton, to that Hawthorne house. 
So, fun fact, none of the kids were given middle names. Instead, they were given memorable first names after prominent people that Milton and Susan knew, mostly being other ministers that Milton was really fond of. And, like, clergymen that he looked up to. Well, so, that's kind of flattering. Yeah. So, he's like, you don't, need a sec- you don't need a second name. You just need a name that no one's going to forget, like Wilbur. Even though I've forgotten that name so many times while just writing these notes. Don't tell Milton. <clears throat> hey, Milton, guess what? <laughs> First off, you're dead. <laughs> Second. Are you sure? No, not just anymore. This <laughs> was the middle of the 1800s. As He's well dead. as inventing flight, they also discovered immortality. <laughs> exactly. That's the twist. Plot twist. Okay. So, um. They'll visit people. What? I said they're lizard people. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Continue. Uh, da, 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 da. So the family was, they were very close-knit. They um, they did go to public school, but a lot of their learning was like home-centered, and they definitely learned to rely on each other and rely on like their instincts and things like that. Cool. Um, Because Milton was typically busy with his ministry, Susan kind of became like the handyman of the family and she would sew clothing for the kids and she would like make toys for them herself like out of nothing um their favorite toy that she had ever made them was a sled fun fact uh they had two libraries in their home a lot of their books were books of like theology they also had like a million encyclopedias I mean the dad being a clergyman i guess it makes sense yeah so w- were they like were they, were they pretty rich no not okay. not really i mean like they were fine okay but they the thing is, is they were very resourceful i see so a lot of the things that they had like i said like their mom would like make their mm-hmm. clothes or make their toys or, like she kind of like figured those things out and she they really um encouraged their children to trust their imagination and trust their curiosity so i don't know they they did a lot of things with their hands they did a lot of things themselves they Mm -hmm. you know uh basically they became really independent thinkers and they had like a lot of confidence in their own abilities and their own ideas so yeah just kind of like a, a frugal home i guess is what i'm trying to say well cool uh so they all actually, and they loved to study too. So the books were really important to them. They had a lot of history books. They had a lot of the great works of like Sir Walter Scott and Charles Darwin, things like that. And like and all da of Vinci. the kids. Yeah, probably. All of the kids. Because so he had a lot of ideas of flight too. Then most likely, yeah. Yeah. Earlier I said that they invented flight. They didn't invent flight, but. <laughs> I wasn't going to correct you. <laughs> Someone else probably did. They're probably like, Miles, you're an idiot. Well, we'll get into that a little bit later. Don't worry, Um, I'm thinking of it myself. Miles, I'm an idiot. Are you done um, criticizing yourself? No, never. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Milton, in 1878, Milton brought a toy home for his younger boys, Wilbur, who was 11 at the time, and Orville, who was 7. And the toy was made of cork, bamboo, paper, and twin blades that twirled with a rubber band it was like a little toy helicopter Mm -hmm. and that was their introduction to their interest in aviation that's cool yeah 
Like from Seven and Eleven, right? Seven <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> so uh, the kids all grew up. They all went to college. A few of them got married. Um, in the winter months of 1885 to 1886, Wilbur was actually playing hockey and he received an injury. I don't exactly know what the injury was, but uh, it took him a few years to recover. Oh, and dang. during that time, he was going to go to college, but then his mom got sick and he was like, you know what, just with everything going on, I'm just going to stay home and help my dad with his ministry, help my mom with her sickness and just heal, right? Yep. So um, she contracted tuberculosis. That's rough. And in 1889, she passed away. So three years after his accident. And at this time, or during that time, Orville, who was turning into an adult at this point, he had been learning the printing trade. And so after uh, Susan died... He was like, hey, you know, you're not taking care of mom anymore. It's been three years. Like, let's get out there and do something. And so they actually opened up a print shop together. Cool. Um, and the two of them ended up, they pu- they published two local newspapers. And they obviously, like, offered normal print services. But uh, their papers were short-lived. But what actually got them their good reputation was the fact that they created, designed, built, and sold quality printing presses to other printers and oh. printing companies in the area interesting okay so they didn't just publish papers they like built the, built printers, the printers themselves yeah wow and i'm sure i, I i'm pretty sure that like they kind of just amplified and like enhanced the printers they were already using like i don't they didn't invent the printer right but yeah they they built designed sold printers and like that's what got them their good reputation is like oh these kids are kind of brainy and they like to put things together you know like to tinker yes <laughs> thank you tinker they would make cute little tinker fairies like tinkerbell <laughs> okay so in 1982 1982 1882 1892 wow okay yeah 1892, Orville and Wilbur actually opened up a bicycle sales and repair shop. So they kind of like dumped the printing press, whatever, and went into the bicycle sales. And while they were there, they began to build bicycles. All right. It's like, why not? They're around them all the time. They're fixing them up. Might as well just make one. Yeah. In 1896, they actually developed their own self-oiling bicycle wheel hub, and they installed a number of like light... Uh, machine tools in their shops to help them with the bicycle repairs and things like that so they continued to build things and experiment while saving their earnings as they went all while in the background still having that interest from the ages of 11 and 7 of aviation Mm -hmm. while they were fascinated with flight it wasn't their main priority it was making their money Around this time, so around 1896, there was a man that was making headlines. His name was Otto Lilienthal. Otto Lilienthal. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, We'll just call him Otto. And the reason he was making headlines is because he had passed away in a glider crash. Oh. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. He, Otto was the first man to make well-documented repeated and successful flights with handmade gliders like he made them himself yeah cool (laughs) and that was the most significant aeronautical he was the most significant aeronautical pioneer 
in the years between the advancements of the Englishman George Cayley and the Wright brothers. But at the time, Wilburn Orville did not know that yet. They didn't know that they would be the next great thing. Mm-hmm. They were just reading these accounts of this man. Thinking how interesting. Yeah, and like what he had created. So um, he had developed the first, the idea of like the wing uh, for like an, an aircraft. Sure. Uh, but he hadn't yet thought of the idea to incorporate like an engine with it. So that's why he just had gliders. And unfortunately... Let the wind do the rest. Yeah, well... And it, it was revolutionary still at that point. You oh, know? yeah. And so in nineteen or in 1896, he did pass away from a glider accident. Um, but that accident, like, ignited this passion within these two brothers to continue to do the research that Otto left off. Nice. And so they read through and exhausted every resource that they could find in their local library. And they even, at this point, they reached out to the Smithsonian Institution for direction of where else they could look for resources on aeronautics. They're just like, we need more. <laughs> we don't have as much here as we want, so we need more. Um, and so in, 19, in the year 1900, they introduced themselves uh, via letter to Octave Chanute, who was a leading civil engineer and an authority in aviation. And so this man was kind of like their go-to person for the next five or six years, right? Um, and they were able to get more resources. So at this point, with all of the research they had, they were able to get more resources. And based off of like the experience they had with their bicycle shop and with their printer um, experiences, they were able to start designing their first aircraft. Right on. So they realized that in order for a plane to be successful, it needed to be able to be lifted up in the air, which would require wings. Mm-hmm. It needed to be able to move through the air, which would require an engine. And it needed a way to be controlled. And that was the thing that they were stuck on was the control. Um, Because Otto took care of the wing idea. Mm -hmm. So they kind of took that idea from Otto. And at the time, self-propelled vehicles were developing lighter and more powerful internal combustion engines. So engines themselves were already kind of being developed. Mm -hmm. And people were already trying to think of ways to make them lighter and more movable right um so really what they needed to just focus on was the control like how to steer it Mm -hmm. that was their big thing they spent the next few years creating their own gliders they focused a lot on wingspan and like how much wingspan it would take to get them off the ground to carry their weight to keep them flying Mm -hmm. and they really were focusing on like wind patterns as well aerodynamics and crap yeah exactly and they realized that they weren't getting enough wind in dayton to regularly test their theories and stuff like that dude go to freaking wyoming we have tons of wind (laughs) that's all we have well so they actually checked the nation's geographic wind patterns probably from the library i'm not exactly sure uh and they decided internet (laughs) yeah they just googled it (laughs) Um, they decided ultimately that they needed to move their project to a place called Kill Devil's Hill, which, ominous, anyways. Kill Devil's Hill. Yep. Okay. Which is just south of Kitty Hawk in North Carolina. Oh, cool. So, based off of the research they had done, there was enough wind there consistently that they'd be able to do more 
testing. Cool. So Orville and Wilbur created their first motor-operated aircraft, the Wright Flyer, in 1903. So on December 14th in North Carolina, uh, 1903, with their newly built machine, Wilbur made the first attempt at a powered flight. During takeoff, the engine stalled and the plane came to a crash, which damaged the front part of the plane. They spent three days trying to repair the damage. And then on December 17th, they tried again. Orville made the attempt this time and he made it off the ground and got 120 feet in the air in 12 seconds, making this the first ever successful motor operated flight of all time. Woo! (laughs) Fun fact, the two of them knew this was going to be a big moment in history so mm-hmm. they flipped a coin to see who got to fly it first <laughs> and orville won so after orville's flight wilbur took a turn he made it off the ground and he flew 175 feet in 12 seconds orville took another turn uh this time he made it 200 feet in 15 seconds and then wilbur took the fourth and final flight of the day in 59 seconds he scaled 852 feet which is 259 meters over the sand Thank you for uh, converting that. <laughs> You're welcome. So, like, they broke, what is that, the same record, like, four, four different times. times. Yeah. <laughs> in one day. Mm-hmm. Yep. And during this time, five locals had witnessed those four flights. That's got to be a record in itself, though, right? Like, breaking the same record in a certain amount of times. So that has to Probably. be a record. <laughs> Probably, yeah. You can check the Guinness Book of World Records. Nah, I'm too lazy. <laughs> okay. Um, moving on. Between 1904 and 1905, Orville and Wilbur continued to make improvements on their aircraft. Their goal was to make their machines run longer and to have more aerodynamic flights. And so they incorporated that into the Wright Flyer too. Again, one of their biggest concerns was that they wanted the pilot to have full control of the aircraft. So um, a lot of aero... Aero uh, what yeah like aero scientists what are they called aeronautical scientists oh sorry a lot of them focused on almost like machine operated planes where like they would get a plane into the air or like the goal was to get a plane into the air and have it just dry in one or fly fly <laughs> in one direction and then they would just change it based off of like a little like degree shift or something like that that would basically be all they would do but the Wright brothers were like, no, they need to steer it. They need more control than that. And so that was, they, it was kind of like an original thought, which is why there wasn't a lot of information on that, which is also why they had such a big focus on it. So they needed to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like they couldn't rely on other people's research to do that. Like they couldn't piggyback off of someone's engine for this, right? Or someone's wingspan that they already did the research. Yeah. They were kind of starting from scratch. So, um, they started developing more powerful engines and then in order to test it at a more efficient rate they built a home-built wind tunnel to test out as many possible wind patterns as they could wow okay Mm -hmm, to kind of test out their steering as well right on yeah isn't that cool that's really cool like just the the passion behind these guys and just like the the tenacity well well. it's like it's super impressive who would think wind tunnel right i mean they obviously did because I'm sure they're thinking like, well, we need wind to get up in the air, right? Yeah. And like they did a whole bunch of research from the sounds of it too, mm-hmm. which is a whole other thing. Like it takes a lot to, you know, f- me personally, uh, I'll find a subject really fascinating and then I'll read about it for like, I don't know, a little bit and then I'll stop. <laughs> right. But we also have the information at our fingertips. True. 
they had to physically go to a library. Which, I mean, which makes me sound even lazier, but... <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's... um Well, I, th- I think just... It's, it's just admir- admirable people back then who just had this so idea and then they just wanted mm-hmm. to to do it to revolutionize something or invent something very determined yeah mm. for sure for sure um keep that thought because there's a quote later i don't want to like bring it up right now actually you know what i will it's fine so both of these no it's okay both of these men were bachelors their entire lives and before wilbur died he actually made a statement about that and he was like i didn't have time for both a wife and an airplane (laughs) fair <laughs> i'm like that that checks out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and orville i don't know if orville ever commented on it but i'm sure it was the same thing i mean look at me here complaining about a toddler and homework and <laughs> at the same time <laughs> and a full-time podcast and, and a full-time podcast and a full-time job full-time wife <laughs> no comment <laughs> good so uh Just i love you <laughs> i love you too <laughs> Okay, so the brothers created the first truly practical fixed-winged aircraft, which was the Wright Flyer 3. With their breakthrough creation of the three-axis control system, which enabled the pilot to steer the aircraft effectively to maintain its equilibrium. Um, fun fact, that system, the three-axle control system, still remains in a standard on fixed-winged aircrafts of all kinds. Cool. That doesn't mean much to me because I didn't even know that they did that. <laughs> Basically, cool. like the control system that they created right. is the standard that is used. Yeah, I got that much, but yeah. like, the specificities behind it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. I know it's a lot of big words. Three axles sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I did not look more into that. I'm just like, <laughs> whatever that means. Cool. No, mom, but that's still cool. Mum and Matt. Well, I don't think Matt listened to it, but Mum will probably be like, I know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and okay, this is going to sound so dumb, but halfway through this, I was like, oh, does that mean like helicopters, helicopters would be the same way? And then I realized that fixed wings is not the same thing as a helicopter because their (laughs) wings are not fixed. I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) I've got (laughs) to. No, correct me. No, at risk of sounding like an idiot. I don't want to say anything. No, I seriously was like, oh, that's so cool. How would that work for this? How would that work for that? And I'm like, oh, wait, fixed wings. Hey, but that's another sign of intelligence is realizing that you're um, <laughs> wrong. Doesn't happen often because I'm not often wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. <coughs> no, no, they're right. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Okay, moving on. Oh, you are so funny. <laughs> you're funny. Okay. So with the Wright Flyer 3, they are now, they were now at this point flying up to 39 minutes at a time. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And they obviously gained a lot of confidence in the air because they were going on upwards of a thousand flights. Can you imagine like the first time where they actually like got, you know, good amount of height and that amount of speed and everything like that'd be pretty scary. Yeah. Well, I mean, that first day got 800 feet up in the air. Yeah. He had never done that before <laughs> you know uh but yeah they gained a lot of confidence at this point they would start performing tricks in the air like uh, fun like circles and maneuvers and, and barrel like rolls that. do a barrel roll <laughs> sure probably <laughs> um so during this time their sister Catherine actually played a really big role in all of this she was a school teacher but she helped out a lot like behind the scenes 
And so after her school hours, she would help man their bicycle shop, which they still owned, uh, and make sure like all their bills were getting paid because they were a little distracted. So she's like a little secretary. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Uh, but she also would help like locate tools and different parts that they needed to continue to build uh, and work. Like a secretary. <laughs> yes. Uh, and also at this time, other... Sorry, I have like a hair in my mouth or something. But there you go, got it. Other aeronautic scientists had begun to notice their success of getting something up in the air. And uh, they actually tried to model their own creations after the Wright brothers and what they were doing. So for fear of their ideas being stolen, they actually quit flying for a couple of years, like out of the public eye at least, uh, to work on getting their designs patent. Uh, yeah, so to secure patents for their designs. Um, and so then in 1908, their patents were secured and their sister Catherine helped launch their new product, their airplane, mm-hmm. to basically the right eyes. She was very confident and extroverted, whereas Orville and Wilbur were kind of socially awkward and shy. And Same. so they would go to like parties and stuff. And she was the one doing all of the networking and being like, have you met Ted? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> have you met Orville and Wilbur? Um, you know, I, she... I, I like how you did this. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So she introduced them to a lot of people. Uh, she was basically like their social media manager of 1908 when they didn't have social media. Post on Facebook. Check out my brother's new <laughs> invention. But basically, she took the lead with their marketing and with their um, networking, essentially. And with their with her help, the Wright brothers actually signed their first contract for the sale of an airplane to the U.S. Army for $25,000. Did you do the conversion? I did. Yes. Roughly $800,000 in today. Oh, that's not too much. Do you for, have a <laughs> For a plane. But this is the first ever. They didn't know what that's they fair. to expect. That's fair. Right? sir. I wonder how they did that because, I mean, the resources that they used probably weren't cheap either. So, like, maybe, I mean, because, I mean, good businessship is, what is it? I don't know. I never took a business class. (laughs) But it's, like, the base price plus a little more to make a profit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. Yeah. But, anyways, this was a lot of money. Yep. This was a good contract. I'll take $800,000. the part of the contract part of the deal was that they wanted a machine that was capable of flying for at least one hour with a pilot and a passenger at an average speed of 40 miles per hour okay so they hadn't yet developed that specific of an airplane yet but they did have an aircraft that they were still developing mm-hmm. so they had this deal with um with the u.s army and then the next month, they signed a second agreement with a group of French investors who wanted to uh, help with the building and selling of the right machines under a license. Okay. So basically, like, they were their investors. Yeah, they, like, owned them pretty much for a fee. They were their sharks. Do, 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 do. No Baby comment? Baby shark. Do, oh, jeez. <laughs> Sorry. I was trying to hold back on that. <laughs> Uh, so they had a new airplane design ready to go. Uh, they went back to North Carolina, tested out. They had added uh, upright seating and hand controls to their 1905 machine, the Wright Flyer 3. They added the, the upright seats for the first time because before that it had been like belly, mm-hmm. on your belly. And they went and flew that 22 times to test it out. Wilbur 
then carried the first ever airplane passenger, a man named Charles Furness. So, Furness. Did he hmm? invent the furnace? No, but Charles was actually one of their employees at the bicycle shop. Oh, right on. And he was like their head mechanic at the bicycle shop. And he had also helped them construct the engine for their first right flyer. So he actually did kind of play a big role in this and he got to be their first ever passenger. Ayo. Yeah. So shortly after that, Wilbur flew to France. Part of their agreement with the U.S. Army and France was to have successful public demonstrations. He flew. To France. To France. Yes. From North Carolina. Yes. Across the Atlantic. Yes. Woo. Yeah. So making big strides. <laughs> now, um, how nerve-wracking would that be? <laughs> Is this going to make it the whole way? <laughs> I know, right? I'm sure he was very confident at this point. Especially if he was like you with your uh, fear of the ocean. <laughs> Yeah, I personally wouldn't do it. Personally wouldn't do it. Uh, I'm sure he had like an entourage like a on a ship or something like that. Probably. Oh, I would would bet. Um, So yeah, part of the agreement was that they wanted to have successful public flight demonstrations. They wanted the public to know all about this and to be excited about it. So he essentially put on shows in France. Like flying shows (laughs) and immediately he gained attention and popularity amongst everyone oh can you imagine like seeing someone fly for the first time Mm -hmm. like that's a huge deal yeah and so um specifically a lot of the elites of france would come and watch him fly but he got public attention you know of all sorts Mm -hmm. he would do figure eights in the air to demonstrate his skills um but it was also to demonstrate the capacity of this flying machine that he had created so, um, because this was an agreement with France and the U.S., uh, Orville stayed behind to kind of help out with the U.S. part of it. And so he was back in Virginia in the United States, <clears throat> dividing their efforts. And he was beginning uh, some trials with the U.S. Army at Fort Myer, which is in Virginia, which was to, you know, to demonstrate that they created what they signed up to create mm-hmm. this plane, right? Two weeks into the trials... Uh, he was accompanied by Lieutenant Thomas E. Selfridge uh, as a passenger to kind of oversee the project. While they were flying, a propeller split and shattered, which caused them to spin out of control and crash. Oof. The passenger, Lieutenant Selfridge, split his skull and passed away later that night at a local hospital, making him the first ever airplane crash fatality. Which... It's a cool milestone, but it's also a milestone you never want to have. Right. Right? So, unfortunately, he did pass away. Orville was badly injured with four broken ribs and a broken leg, but he did survive. And 12 years later, he had increased pain in his legs. And so, he went to go get an x-ray. And they found out that during that crash 12 years prior, he had actually dislocated his hip and had three hip bone fractures that were never discovered. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense. So, like, trial and error and everything, but... Yeah. Oof. Twelve years that he dealt with that. Rough. Rough. Um, this obviously was devastating because they had never had a crash this bad before. Catherine immediately came to Virginia to be with Orville, and she stayed with him for the entire seven weeks that he was in the hospital. She was also able to negotiate a delay with the, co- the contract that they had signed with the Army mm-hmm. uh, for one year. 
to allow him to heal. Yeah. While he was in the hospital, a friend actually came to visit and the friend asked, quote, has it got your nerve? To which Orville replied, nerve? Oh, do you mean that I will be afraid to fly again? The only thing I'm afraid of is that I can't get well enough, well soon enough to finish those tests next year. So he was like, heck no. (laughs) In a 2023 talk. Heck no, techno. All right. So Wilbur obviously was devastated by the news of the crash um, because, of course, he was shocked that, first of all, that it happened uh, and then and then saddened by the death of Lieutenant. Uh, And so this just helped him become more determined to put on a good show in France. And so he started breaking his own records in the public eye. He broke his own records with altitude and duration. And then in 1908, in September, he won the Commission of Aviation Prize. And in December, he won the Coupe Michelin. Busy, yeah. Yeah. So he was making big strides over there. In... January of 1909, Catherine and Orville joined Wilbur in France. And at the time, as you can imagine, the three of them were the most famous people on earth. <laughs> Must be nice. Uh, they were <clears throat> they were sought after by the rich, the royal, the reporters of all kinds, and the public. Uh, the kings... Of- and here we are still talking about him. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, sir. The kings of Great Britain, Spain, and Italy all came to see Wilbur fly. And Wilbur started giving rides to a few people, including officers, journalists, statesmen, and his sister, Catherine. <laughs> so. No, at least she got a little bit of the action, too. Can you imagine being a journalist for this and, like, being one of the few that got to go up in the plane? That'd be tight. And terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that too. The difference between the two of us. <laughs> That'd be, like, really thrilling, though. Like, sure, super nerve-wracking, super scary. But when you're up there and, like, you can see everything, unless you have a major fear of heights. But, like, you can look down and see a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff and be like, wow. I feel like I would cool. feel that way just, like, in any small airplane. I don't have a fear of flying, necessarily. I don't particularly like turbulence, but, like, who does? Um, I love it. But the smaller the airplane, like, the freakier it gets, you know? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know if I would have been brave enough back then, especially because it's so unknown. Yeah. Yeah, true. <clears throat> okay. So when they were done in France, the three of them returned to Virginia to fulfill their obligation and complete the army trials. Once they exceeded the required speed of 40 miles per hour, they were given a bonus of $5,000 on top of the negotiated 25000 that they'd already signed. So, on June 10th, 1909, they were invited to the White House, where President Taft uh, bestowed awards upon them. And then they returned to Dayton, where the whole town threw them a, quote, lavish two-day homecoming celebration on June 17th and 18th. Because they were national heroes. Oh, yeah. International, even. Like, damn. Yeah, for sure. So, Orville then traveled to Germany, where he flew at Berlin and Potsdam. Wilbur made several important flights as part of the New York City Hudson Fulton celebration where he flew in front of over a million people. He then went to College Park, Maryland, where he taught the first three U.S. Army officers to fly. In November of 1909, the Wright Company was incorporated with Wilbur as president. Orville as one of the two vice presidents and a board of trustees that included some of the leaders of the American business. 
The Wright Company established a factory in Dayton and a flying field and flight school at Huffman Prairie. Among the pilots at the facility was Henry H. or Hap Arnold, who would rise to command the entire U.S. Army, or sorry, yeah, U.S. Army Air Forces during World War II. So he taught that man how to fly. Wow. Like such honor too. (laughs) Yeah. In total, their school trained 115 pilots. So um, also... How how long was that over? Did they train them? Several years. Um, Still impressive. So I didn't actually take too many notes on this part because it kind of is its own thing. But they actually started like an expedition kind of like alongside of this class Mm -hmm. that was to help the army kind of gain like good pilots and they were testing out different types of aircrafts and it got to a point where they had 11 casualties Mm. and after that it kind of it just got shut down it's like okay it's too risky we can't be losing these lives so i that's why i didn't write write too much about it is because it's like there's a, a lot that goes into that the types of planes that were being tested the people who died the significance of that you know it, it was a big deal but i just i'm not gonna go that much into it fair enough um with that being said there's also a really big thing with them with patents and like the issue with that is because this was a very new thing and everybody was trying to create airplanes at this point too because it was such a big craze mm-hmm. and so a lot of times they were suing people for patent fraud or whatever or or a violation and they weren't getting any credibility because their patents like either weren't specific enough or it didn't cross over from country to country or whatever mm. and so it just it was very messy people gone like through loopholes and stuff yeah exactly oh. and so okay. they they didn't get a lot of credibility for it which is unfortunate because they could have made a lot of money oh yeah on this i mean they still did but um the potential there right well and that's a big thing too is that um this actually like tainted their reputation was these patent wars uh because a lot of people were saying like well you're selfish for not letting aviation like develop properly or whatever and it's like they weren't stopping it they just wanted the credit because they created like people can pay for it (laughs) they created that three axle system that is in virtually every airplane Mm -hmm. it's like they deserve the credit for that you know i don't know man since they're immortal i bet they're super rich right now (laughs) so um yeah people were saying that the evolution of aircrafts and flying around the world was being slowed because of these patent wars which just it just wasn't true um but eventually the lawsuits and this whole like patent war kind of came to an end actually it effectively came to an end in 1917 because their patent with france expired and france Mm -hmm. was their investor right and when that expired the u.s government actually patented it patented it it, whatever they created a patent pool (laughs) in the interest of national defense okay so the u.s government kind of just took over they're like this we're just gonna take this from you i mean america likes to do that so yeah but if you think about it it's (laughs) like all these other countries were yeah. developing as well yeah and they needed a way to like kind of stay ahead right that yeah that makes sense yeah <clears throat> america has to be number one always america number one <laughs> america is number one i don't know what you're talking about mr ozzy no my wife is number one <laughs> okay <laughs> you got some crackers <laughs> with that cheese <laughs> 
I'm just kidding. Do you have any? <laughs> Maybe. All right. Do you have any other comments before I move on? Nope. Continue. Okay. I did talk about 1917, so let's actually rewind a couple of years. So there was one day that was pretty cool. This day was May 25th, 2010. That is a really cool day. Yeah, right? <laughs> 2010. 1910. Wow, are you okay? No. May 25th, 1910. <laughs> I mean, that was a cool day too, I'm sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. You go to bed? So two unique flights took place this day. So the first flight lasted six minutes long. Uh, and this took place at Huffman Prairie, which is where their um, flight school is. And the flight consisted of Orville flying with Wilbur as his passenger. Wilbur. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> this is significant because this was the first and last time that the two of them ever flew together. Oh, did one of them die? No. Okay. They had previously promised their father that they would never fly together to avoid a double tragedy. Oh, right. I mean, they were immortal, so it doesn't really matter anyway, but... <laughs> They also, you know, in case one of them did die in a crash, that way at least one of them would be around to continue, you know, the exploration of flight and their business keep that afloat. That was cool. They got to fly together. Their dad gave them permission. You know, these grown men, mm -hmm. they finally got permission from daddy. Um, <laughs> but that day they also, the second flight, um, they took, so Orville took their dad on a flight that lasted seven minutes. So their dad was 82 at the time. This was his one and only flight of his entire life. And he was so giddy this whole flight. They went up 350 feet and the whole time he just kept saying, higher Orville, higher. <laughs> he was just loving every second of it. So that was pretty cool. A notable day for them. That's fun. <clears throat> Man, I should get together with my brother and we'll invent something. <laughs> I'm not smart enough for that. He probably is. I'm not. <laughs> nah, you guys are great. So, um, two years later, exhausted from his business and legal concerns, Wilbur actually contracted typhoid fever and he passed away in his bed on the morning of May 30th, 1912. Um, 1912. That was the same year the Titanic sank. Sad? Or... That's a sad year. Yeah. Tragedy. Wait, I thought he was immortal. <laughs> yeah. Like Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. Um, he died a bachelor, like I said, stating that he did not have time for both a wife and an airplane. Orville assumed leadership of the Wright Company, and he remained with the firm until 1915 when he sold his interest in the company to a group of financers. Um, he actually won, in 1913, the Collier Trophy for his work on automatic stabilizers for aircrafts. And he worked as a consulting engineer during World War One, helping the Dayton Wright Company plan for the production of foreign aircraft designs and assisting in the development, oh, this is a long sentence, <laughs> of a pilotless aircraft bomb. Okay. So, yeah. He is one of the most celebrated Americans of his time, and he received honorary degrees and awards from universities and organizations across America and Europe. That sounds about right. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> you can't be the only one making jokes. <laughs> After 42 years of their little house on 7 Hawthorne Street being their home base, Orville 
Catherine, and their father Milton moved to Hawthorne Hill in 1914. On April 3, 1917, Milton, the father, passed away in his sleep at the age of 88. He was not a practicing minister at the time, but he was still very involved in ministerial work. And just overall a good man. In 1918, so a year later, Orville made his last ever flight as a pilot. I said that weird. Made his last ever flight as a pilot. He retired from business and became an elder statesman of aviation, where he served on various official boards and committees, including the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics, or I think it's NACA, N-A-C-A. NACA? Maybe they don't say it like that. NACA. But I would assume because they say NASA, so NACA. NACA. NACA? NACA. I don't know. Anyways. I'll just work here. (laughs) And the Aeronautical Chamber of Commerce. Akadaka. ACDC in Australian talk. There you go. Akadaka. Akadaka. ACDC? That's what you guys call it? Mm -hmm. Akadaka? For real? (laughs) You guys are so weird. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) We are weird. In 1926, this part was weird to me. In 1926, Catherine married Henry Haskell of kansas city he was a former classmate orville was so mad that she got married like to the point where he refused to speak to her and did not attend her wedding interesting because he felt like he was being betrayed by his sister yeah i mean okay i mean if both of the brothers had the same mindset of like you don't have time for women or marriage or romance or anything like that i'm sure like you know they'll just focus on this i'm sure it might come off as a betrayal but yeah but at this point even he was retired like come on anyways yeah yeah that's true never mind i just thought that was weird like first of all what (laughs) it's like let your sister have a life come on but he he actually didn't talk to her until 1929 which is three years later um and he she was on her deathbed dying from Mm. pneumonia and he he did speak to her uh before she passed and it was because of their older brother, Lauren, was basically just insistent upon it. And he finally did speak to her again. Okay. But yeah, weird, weird. Families, am I right? Oh, oh, yeah. Such drama. Orville Wright served in the NACA for 28 years. In 1936, he was elected a member of the National Academy of Sciences. In 1939, President Franklin Roosevelt, Franklin D. Roosevelt, issued a presidential proclamation which designated the anniversary of Orville's birthday as National Aviation Day. Cool. Fun fact, which is, I'll tell you, Orville's birth, come on, Wikipedia. There we go. Orville was born August 19th. Lear. Nice. So, August 19th is National Aviation Day. Sweet. Uh, And, so it's a national observation that celebrates the development of aviation obviously are there any like uh traditions that go along with this day or is it just look a plane (laughs) sorry drugs um i don't know let me look nasa's 10 ways 10 favorite ways to celebrate national aviation day say five planes so when you google it it actually is like here are some flights to dayton ohio which is where he was born Hmm. so um spread your wings hashtag spread your wings is take a picture of you and your friend or loved ones with your arms stretched out like you're flying 
Okay. So a lot of people from NASA do that. Go to your local science museum, visit the NASA Center. Do we have one of those? Watch an aviation-themed movie. Not here, no. Denver, probably. Maybe, yeah. I think so. It's too far. (laughs) Take an introductory flight lesson. Ooh. We should do that. Build an airplane. Yeah, why not? I mean, literally, yeah. My brothers did. Like, literally, um, people will buy little home airplane kits. Oh. Yeah. I thought you were meaning, like, (laughs) build an airplane, like an actual airplane. Yeah. They said, tell us about your first flight so you could submit your first flight stories. I don't know. I know my first flight, I went to America. Really? Yeah. When you were, what, 15? No. When I was, like, an infant. Oh, really? Yeah, my mom had this thing with all of her kids that she would take them over to the States. Well, over here, I guess. Um, <laughs> to, like, introduce them to her family. Like, look, a baby. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. My first flight, I'm pretty sure, was to England. That makes when sense. we were moving there. When I was about Harper's age. Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong, parentals. Likewise with mine. Have a plane spotting picnic near an airport. Yeah, those are some things you can do to celebrate. Cool. Put that in your calendar, folks. National Aviation Day and spread your wings. Spread your wings. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Go to a date in Ohio. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> what else do you have for me? On April 19th, 1944, the second production, Lockheed Constellation, piloted by Howard Hughes and TWA, President Jack Fry, don't know what any of that means, flew from Burbank, California to Washington, D.C. in six hours and 57 minutes. And on the return trip, the airline, the airliner stopped at Wright Field to give Orville Wright his last airplane flight ever, more than 40 years after his historic first flight. Nice. He, it says, he may even have briefly handed over the controls. He commented, so this is Orville commented, that the wingspan of this plane, of the constellation, the Lockheed constellation, was longer than the distance of his first flight 40 years prior. Which was what? I don't know. I just know that he went up like 120-something feet. Okay. Well, dang. Yeah. Big plane. Yeah. Orville's last major project was supervising the reclamation and preservation of the 1905 Wright Flyer III, which historians describe as the first practical airplane. Orville, um, in an interview, he actually expressed sadness over like what airplanes have done destruction wise mm-hmm. uh, about like the death and destruction that was brought on by bombers from the world wars he said quote we dared to hope that we had invented something that would bring lasting peace to earth but we were wrong no i didn't have any regrets about my part in the invention of the airplane though no one could deplore more than i do the destruction it has caused I feel about the airplane much the same as I do in regard to fire. That is, I regard, I regret the terrible damage caused by fire, but I think it is good for the human race that someone discovered how to start fires and that we have learned how to put fires to thousands of important uses. Mm-hmm. End quote. Orville died at the age of 76 on January 30th, 1948, over 35 years after his brother, following his second heart attack. He had lived from horse and buggy age to the dawn of supersonic flight. Both brothers were buried in the family plot at the Woodland Cemetery in Dayton, Ohio. Man, I want a family 
plot. In you said cemetery. that last time. <laughs> yeah, I did say Miles that last time. has one dream in life. <laughs> just for want... us to be buried right next to him. Yes. And I'm going to die first. So, yeah, that yes. is the story of Wilbur and Orville Wright, the Wright brothers. Well, all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Remember your last episode when I kept making SETI jokes? <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Tell me. Talk to me. You know, I was actually... The Wright Brothers were one of the ones I'm like, oh, that'd be a cool story to do. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you covered it, though, because that was a lot of research. Was that um, boring? No. No, it was good. Okay. I, I, I enjoy that story. I enjoy invention and um, innovation. I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to contribute to it, but I think it's fascinating. <laughs> Why? Because you hate your brother? Yeah. Just kidding. You don't need your brother to invent things? No. If I did, I'd probably need someone. That's, yeah. Can you just imagine, though, like, the life that they lived, man? It's crazy. Yeah. No time for women. <laughs> nope. I liked his comment at the end, though, like, how, you know, talking about the destruction that airplanes brought, yeah. essentially. And how he compared that to fire. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Good way to look at it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because it's completely necessary. There's so many good things that airplanes have brought into the world. Oh, yeah. Like, faster travel. Mm-hmm. Candy yeah, bomber. Yeah, candy bomber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, and I think, um, like, how many times have flights saved people's lives? Like, being airlifted to a hospital. Right. You know? Or being able to see the world when you wouldn't have been able to. Mm-hmm. It just it opens a whole bunch of just possibilities. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. That's you know, really cool. That's a cool story. I've told three flight stories. Yeah. There's a survival one. Are you counting that one? Mm-hmm. There's this one and then... The candy bomber. Candy bomber, yeah. And then you talked about the Bermuda Triangle, which included oh, yeah. flights. Mm-hmm. We have a thing for airplanes, even though we don't know anything about them. (laughs) Did you know in, like, British English slash Australian English, it's aeroplane? Aeroplane? Yeah. Do you guys actually say that? A-E-R-O, plane. Mm -hmm. Do you actually say that? Mm Mm-hmm. Aeroplane. It's subtle enough that it sounds like airplane, but it's aeroplane. This makes me think of that Bluey episode. Bingo, you're going to go to the airport. Airport? I'm not going to the airport. That was really good. Thanks. I'm joking. It sucked. Oh. I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> well, I learned so much about planes today. Yep. Three axles and uh, wingspan and <laughs> so I also, so um, I, I had remembered hearing something like, oh, the Wright brothers suck. And I don't remember the context or like why people thought that. But then I was like, oh, are we not supposed to like the Wright brothers? Like, what? But then doing the research and, like, finding out about the patent wars and things like that, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh. Yeah. Because I've heard the same thing. Like, you know, the Wright brothers were, like, not really scumbags, but just, um, I don't know. It almost made it sound like their heads weren't in the right place. Right. But I'm like, you know. I can see why it would come across that way. But also, they deserved the credit. Yeah. They put in so much time literally their entire lives seriously like every waking moment was spent on an airplane yeah and if they hadn't done those things we would not have the resources that we have when Mm -hmm. it comes to flying 
It's just people are just people are greedy, and they could make the same argument about these. But again, like you said, they mm-hmm. deserve the credit. They're the ones who should be credited mm-hmm. with all this work that they put towards. Like, and yeah, you said this before as well. Like, all that they're asking is like that. They're not saying no. They just want payment for it. Like, hey, we did this. We deserve yeah. some kind of compensation for all the work and everything that we put into this yeah and like, like that's reasonable i hope that we're not coming across as like or sounding like super ignorant to this because obviously like i did not do a ton of research into the patent wars this was just a generalized like synopsis of what had happened mm-hmm. and and so you know i could be missing some factors maybe they really were scumbags but i am choosing to look at what they have done for the world so that is my little box of soap yeah but yeah I think their story is super cool. I had a lot of fun looking into it and being completely blown away by the things that they accomplished. Yeah. Definitely. And I, 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 I particularly loved that their drive stemmed from their childhood. Mm-hmm. Because there was a comment, I think it was Orville that said something similar to this, that was like, if we were not raised the way that we were, you know, with frugal and being taught to rely on our imagination and trust our instincts... Like, they would have given up on this dream before it ever began. And it probably wouldn't have happened. Or it would have just much later. Mm-hmm. Like, the technology would be way behind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, well all I've, that's all I've got for you today. So, thanks for tuning in to this cool history lesson. Yeah. No worries. And everyone, just the general reminder, if you have stories for the first that you want to send in to us, May is going to be focused on embarrassing stories. Send those in to mm-hmm. podcast at gmail.com. I will say, though, as well, we do have a few rollover April stories. So if you don't feel like you can't send in a story if you've, like, missed the, quote, theme that we're doing, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, we appreciate any story sent in. Yeah, but we um, we will be doing some research on, like, embarrassing moments. Yes. For sure. If we don't get stories. Yes. <laughs> and don't forget to subscribe to whichever platform that you listen to us on whether it be spotify apple music whichever subscribe so you get notifications of new episodes yeah i don't know if you guys knew that but if you subscribe your phone gets alerted every time we upload so you have to ask us when are you going to upload an episode you'll know it will tell you it will tell you um also if you haven't already go subscribe to our youtube channel i have been slacking on putting episodes up so we're still behind on there but there are like a couple dozen yeah and they're cool i'll get there she's, she's pretty good on it <laughs> um tell your friends yes get tell us to canada <laughs> and to you know the rest of the lower 48 states and alaska and hawaii yep all of those all of them anyways and just to send you all off if you're being chased by an animal just lay on the ground for five seconds the five second rule will prevent the animal from eating you. <laughs> okay. I like it. All right. Goodbye. Bye.